So welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored by Axis Communications. And thanks always to our supporting partners, 3X Logic, Mighty and Aura. Now, my guest this week is Adam Oberdick. Now, Adam has over 20 years experience in asset protection, retail ops and dot-com fraud on both the geo and global level. Now, currently lead director of future operations at CVS Health, where he leads a strategic planning, risk assessment and innovative roadmap for the business. Now, you might know Adam's name because previously um, he led Nike.com North America digital loss prevention team and the European, Middle East and African loss prevention teams. Now, smart guys, Adam, he has a BA in criminal justice from Marshall University, along with continued education from the CFI and FEMA emergency management, among many, many other strings to his bow. Adam, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it, Paul. Great to see you and great to be here. Thanks for the yeah, opportunity. Really, really, really appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us. Now, a super, Absolutely. super impressive career. We'll dive into that a little bit more in a moment. But I always love to know when young Adam was at school, peering out of the window, what was the actual intended career? What What did you want to do? Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a little bit long to think about now, but um, my family has predominantly been in government, whether it be in law enforcement, in the legal system in some form or fashion. And that was the intent. I went to school for criminal justice, obviously, international affairs, political science. And that was the full intent that I would hopefully land some sort of internship with one of the governmental bureaus here in the United States and go down that track. Um, didn't fully vet that out, was kind of going through it in my freshman and sophomore year. And, you know, I was joking with some buddies just the other day. It's funny for such a large profession that loss prevention is, everyone seems to stumble into it, mm. right? And I think that's, that's absolutely how it happened with me as well. I was a sophomore in university, needed money, <laughs> needed a job and went to my local, it was Kmart. I don't know if everyone's familiar with Kmart, but they're no longer in existence, but went to my local Kmart looking for just anything they would give me from a stock perspective or a cashier or anything. And they offered me loss prevention and I had no idea what it was, but it paid a little bit more. And I said, absolutely. And that's how it all started. I was catching shoplifters as a 19 year old kid in college, had no idea what I was doing and it turned into a profession. Wow. So they literally, they were advertising for loss prevention. So you were uh, a, a sort of a branded security guard, just like there's the uniform, off you go. Were you peering? Was, I, I, Kmart was an amazing uh, experience to go around. It just sold everything. But were you peering oh, from was, behind shelving? What? What? How does it, that absolutely. Work? It was. It was the wild west. I mean, it was. It was tackling shoplifters. It was plain clothes investigations. It was like you said, peering behind shelves and looking at mirrors in the ceiling and. All the stuff that you know, most if not all retailers don't do anymore, um, for sure. But you know, it was an experience. It was a lot of fun, and it was totally unexpected. Had no idea that that even existed in the world at the time as a you know as a dumb nineteen year old kid, right? And it was just so eye opening to see that part of the business. And I had a blast. I mean, just a ton of fun. And they're just incredible people working there that helped me along the way and, and taught me all about it. And it was just, it was an awesome experience and I fell in love with it. So I'm intrigued, clearly uh, you're uh, sat in the US talking to us today, but w which part of the States did this all all start off in? 
Yeah, so <laughs> this started in southern West Virginia. I don't know if if everyone's familiar with that. It has its own um, stereotype and stigma to it. Uh, but I went to school at Marshall, as you said, and that's in southern West Virginia. And I started out uh, just at the local Kmart near me, and then you know soon thereafter had sort of a multi-unit approach to it. So I was traveling across West Virginia and Kentucky and parts of Ohio. So really, you know almost like mid-Atlantic, Midwestern United States, which is, you know, its own kind of breed of people, but a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of, it was a good time and trying to, you know, do the best at, at university as I could throughout that whole time too. Amazing. And so, you know, you finish your university time. Did you then stay on with Kmart? Did you, you know, talk to me about the the next steps till, uh, you know, through, through the very yeah. retail? So Kmart, um, I, I progressed quickly, I would say, through Kmart. I became a, a store loss prevention detective and then a store loss prevention manager and then a multi-unit manager. And it was taking up a considerable amount of time to the point where, you know, I, I had to kind of make that decision of do I, do I pause on university and, and go full into this profession that, you know, I'm brand new in or do I make that tough decision of like stepping back from Kmart, going back to school full time, which is what I ultimately decided to do and found a job at Target and Target um, investigations, uh, primarily in organized retail crime. So I did about a year and a half, two years at Target with their organized retail crime division in West Virginia um, so that I could finish school. It was much more flexible with my schedule. I was able to kind of work evenings and some early mornings and, and do the full time school in between. And then I had an old colleague that had gone over to Nike and mentioned as I was getting ready to graduate that there was this position opening up in Washington, DC and jumped at the opportunity to at least talk to somebody over there. And 15, I swear it was like 15, 16 interviews later, finally, (laughs) I think they were, I think they were rightfully on the fence about me at the time, Uh, 15, 16 interviews later, they, uh, I got the job right before I graduated, and then moved to Washington, DC, sight unseen, as soon as I graduated university, Um, and never looked back. Yeah. And that was kind of the beginning of the Nike journey. And then, gosh, moved with them for the next 12 years, I was in a few major cities as a district loss prevention manager, um, then went out to their world headquarters um, to work in global operations, went and led the New York team shortly after that, then went back and went into the dot-com world, which was probably the hardest thing I've done in my career. But I had just an incredible leader, manager, mentor that guided me through it, taught me the language of dot-com fraud and dot-com sales and that whole infrastructure of technology and did that for a couple of years, led the North America team. Um, and then most recently with Nike, went over to Europe um, where met a, a fantastic team of people, really had a really great time over there. Just an incredible experience. Was over in the Europe team for a little over two years, two and a half years, which obviously coincided with the pandemic, which, which was a little bit unfortunate, but I would say that the benefit of that was it allowed me to come home and kind of reprioritize some things that way. So I was able to come home during the pandemic, spend time with my family. My father had gotten very ill during that time with COVID. And so it did kind of 
re-perspective things for me or put things in a different perspective or for lack of a better phrase um, and reprioritize some things. And so made the decision that I wanted to be back home, hopefully remote um, and worked with Nike to, to bring that to life. I think it was a, a six month resignation period. So it took some time. We made sure we did it, you know, hopefully the right way for the most part. And then found the work with CVS and it worked out fantastic. They're just it's been a really incredible opportunity to work with them in a different capacity. And it's a really great business. Very complex, like I said, super challenging, you know, totally different line of the industry than what I'm current than what I've generally been used to. Um, but it's been really rewarding too. It's been really rewarding. And and interesting, you know, that you've got both a sort of a global dot com perspective as well as you know, a store perspective, you know, that's kind of the nirvana of uh, of, of, of people in your position is to find yeah. somebody that understands both sides because so many people are one side and they have an understanding or the other side and an understanding. But, you know, from a resume perspective, if you like, I mean, uh, absolute gold dust for sure. And I bet, you know, whether CVS are making use of all of that, I don't know, or anybody listening ears must be sort of pricking up, but you've got to be thrilled to have that complete picture certainly within your within your arsenal absolutely it was like i said probably the most challenging couple of years of my career of just you know you you're in the the physical space the retail space and you get good at that really quickly right you love it you understand it you know that language you know the players and the partners and then you it's a total switch to .com. It's it's a completely different way of doing business and the architecture behind it and the partners that are involved in the technology and the vendors uh, alone. It's it's like learning a new language, right? It's, it's just a completely different shift. But through that, it has been, again, probably the most beneficial part of my career because it has set me up for introducing total retail loss, right? And different aspects and understanding omni-channel and the risks that are involved and being able to sit at the table and have those conversations in the right way with the relevant stakeholders and senior leaders that, yes, I've done that. I know what you're talking about. I understand that part of the business. Here's how it translates to this, right? And I think that has been a huge benefit part of that. Yeah. And I guess the, uh, you know, the the bad guys and girls, they have this total perspective so surely it makes sense for the good guys that are trying to you know trying to stop them to have that as well absolutely cvs is a business i know extremely well every time i visit the states uh spend a huge amount of time in uh in numerous cvs stores but for those that don't know give us uh, a little bit of an overview of the business scale product mix that kind of stuff yeah you'll have to help me if um if there's a like business um throughout the international space but you know it's got the um, convenience store slash pharmacy aspect of it right so we have actual pharmacies within cvs every single cvs that's what it's been built on is having a pharmacy with pharmacists and techs and that's where you fulfill your prescriptions but then it is coupled with it's inside of this retail convenience store space where we sell everything from soft goods to over the county over the counter beauty products to paper goods right there's there's alcohol and a bodega in some locations right so it's this really complex business that attracts you know different types of consumers for different types of reasons and there's you know obviously the complexities of the pharmacy aspect of it but then you've got all of the retail traditional loss and 
processes and logistics that you have to deal with as well. So it's it's super, super interesting. It's a really cool place. It's kind of a, for those in the UK, it's sort of a, a Boots meets a WH Smith's stationery store all sort of uh, welded together with a with a Tesco Metro uh, and everything in between as well. It's uh, it is a it's a, a, a yeah a fascinating business. And from a, a loss perspective, you know, prescription oh, drugs through to, you know, fresh food waste. You know, and what I would say, what's interesting, and this is, you know, probably a testament to loss prevention professionals everywhere. It's in CVS, we have two distinct business functions. So we have an operations team that solely focuses on the pharmacy side, and you have an operations team that focuses on the retail side, right? The convenience store side. And they have all these teams and logistics that go through that. Loss prevention doesn't have that. We we look over the entire architecture as one group, right? And so you have to have these professionals at CVS that can go back and forth and that understand the compliance and the security risks of the pharmacy and all the different things that they have to do from a privacy standpoint, and then switch that to the traditional retail loss aspect of the convenience store. And, and we have this just incredible group of folks that's able to to kind of traverse that and be able to talk to the different leaders in both functions and be able to understand that at a very high level. And it's, like I said, super complex, super challenging, but really impressive what that team's able to do. And and I can't begin to imagine. So when you sit down at your desk in the morning, talk to me about your day to day. I mean, what on earth takes up the bulk of your time with that? With that yeah. I mean, that's an entire shopping mall inside one store yes so so my um, particular purview is mostly centered around strategy and my team helps create the strategy not only for asset protection but how it also impacts other functions of the business and so like any new job that most of your listeners have have, have kind of seen and been through it's that first considerable amount of time is strategy creation right and it was the same for me and you go through the various aspects of, of partnering with your operators and your partners and what's been working, what hasn't been working, where are the opportunities and really creating that strategy. I'm at the point now where we're pretty much in strategy execution. So my team manages the training function of CVS. We have the technology and innovation function, um, obviously the, the strategic innovation along to go with that and applications and platforms. So each one of those functions has their own strategies and their own timelines and their own deliverables and executables that they have to get after. And so at this point in my juncture, it's all about managing the strategy execution that we spent so long creating. Now it's time to get those things in motion and get all those benefits realized. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got total retail loss. That is, you know, obviously a, a huge um, topic and forum for everyone internationally, but now starting to become really prevalent in the U.S. much more so. And so that's something that we've been able to introduce and we're going after pretty heavily now, which as everyone knows, takes up an unbelievable amount of time and energy and partnerships and resources and vendors and consultants. And we're going through the whole thing. So that takes up a a big portion of my time as well now. But again, it's all the right stuff. We're focusing on the right things and, you know, it just, it takes time. And I think that's the biggest piece is you can't, you can't get into that mode of like, oh yeah, give us six months. It doesn't work that way anymore. Right. It's give us two years and we'll get it there. Funnily enough, I was talking to somebody earlier and, uh, you know, they were saying, uh, you know, to make these 
um, corporate-wide shifts. They're like, actually, in reality, from starting it to implementation to embedding it to getting it recreated is a decade. It's 10 years. And I'm like, I well, you know. Totally believe it. Uh, Absolutely believe it. Yeah. So all of the, the the sort of the strategy being implemented, various parts of the business, can you give us any insight into anything specifically that you're rolling out, perhaps either from a people or process or new technology that you're putting in? So having identified what you need, what are one or two of those focus areas? Yeah, you know, I would say that we are in that mode now of trying new things. So we are like, if we just focused on the innovation side, we're looking at creating this network of innovation stores or lab stores within CBS where we can try new things and try it on a small scale, right? I think as everyone knows, like it's tough to say, we're gonna pilot this in 20 stores or a hundred stores. Sometimes you have to say like, let's just make sure we can actually do this first and that it goes through our IT department correctly and that there is value to it. And so we've got this small network of lab stores that we're building up where we can try different things, whether it be product security or physical security or store within a store technology and digital interfaces. There's this huge push for value transfer, right? So value information transfer, information value transfer between consumer and company and how we can better give a consumer journey, right? And how we can build that up. And I think that's what's really exciting right now and probably the biggest, you know, innovative part that we're working on is just building up those lab stores, seeing what has the biggest impact and how we can scale that appropriately across 9,000 CVS locations across the US, right? Which is, you know, a monumental task in and of itself. And so everything has to be scaled appropriately. But yeah, that's uh, I would say that's probably one of the big things now. And I guess with that number of stores and you looking at rolling out some innovation, there's some very uh, excitable vendors in the community as well, because it's not every day that something of that scale starts to to, to look at a refresh and an upgrade. So, yeah, big, big Absolutely. task for some of them. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm intrigued because, you know, to, to get those lab stores and, and roll out, you know, clearly you've developed a talent for getting what you want uh, and pitching that from the board. Um, but before I delve into that, in uh, as I was saying, time-honored fashion, we're just quickly going to hear from our sponsors and then we'll be right awesome. back. For every type of business, the power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere, anytime, 3xLogic. So welcome back to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast. I am, of course, still talking to Adam Oberdick from CVS. Now, Adam, um, we heard there just before the break about um, the huge changes and in innovation and some of the lab stores that you've managed to bring on site. But in order to get all of those, I can only assume that you've developed a strategy for getting what you want internally. So yeah, one of the things we hear from retail risk events around the world is people ask, often ask the question about you know, what do I need to do to get my project over the line, to get the board on side with trialing this, with then rolling it out. What do you think is the main lessons or strategy you've learned to how you can influence budget holders, the board, other stakeholders? Because you're, some of these things can be quite disruptive um yeah. before they give benefit so to what do you think your top tips for uh, for achieving that are 
Yeah, it's it's a great question and not a not an easy one to answer. And I by no means um, have got this fully conquered and has taken a lot of failures along the way to to sort of understand exactly what you need to do and how you need to do it. And first and foremost, strategy creation is absolutely a learned skill. Like it is just something that takes time to observe, to see how others do it, to see what fails, see what works, right? And it's, you know, I would say it's, it's equal parts storytelling as it is, you know, tactical structuring of a strategy. Of course, the strategy has the, you know, the deliverables and the value add and the business impact and, you know, what we can expect from a timeline and so on and so forth and different aspects of project management. But it's also just as much about storytelling and being able to, to tell the right story that ties back to your organization's strategic direction and goals and initiatives, right? And that's, that's kind of the big part there is you have to make sure that you're resonating with the appropriate audience for what you're trying to achieve. And that's really difficult to do, right? It's something, again, you have to fully understand and build relationships with those folks beforehand to know what's important to them. And that way you can formulate that story that not only gets your goal achieved, but also all of their goals achieved at the same time and why it's important. Um, you know, a really good example of this is, is like safety, right? So safety and security in the US is vastly different than than what you see in most European countries. It's a considerable investment as it is everywhere, but it's oftentimes one of the things that we see get cut the quickest or the soonest, right? And so being able to tie that into employee engagement scores and being able to tie that into labor turnover and things that you know have a tangible impact on the culture of your organization, of your store and what's important to your business leaders and just flipping that story or tweaking that story to be able to resonate with the right people to get the investment necessary to do the right things for your organization and for your employees and consumers makes the biggest difference. Mm. You know, outside of that, you know, I would say being very empathetic is, is a big part of that as well, right? You have to have that mature business mindset of understanding where your specific function and department fits in the organization. And sometimes that can be a, a kick in the butt, right? And sometimes that's tough to take, but that's super important also to understand what value does your organization bring versus what you're trying to achieve? Where does it sit in the grand scheme of things? And how do you use that to your advantage and understand how your business leaders see you as well? Yeah. And I think you, know, you make some really good points there. And I guess once upon a time, and no disrespect to those that uh, have come from a law enforcement background. I mean, you know, you nearly did, but you know, senior leaders like yourself were were often ex-law enforcement as as a default for a period of time. But that seems to have shifted to some of these softer skills. Do you think that's fair to say that 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 the role has changed and there's a different set of qualities needed today than maybe a few years ago? Yeah, absolutely. I would I would absolutely say that it's it's much more business oriented, it's become a profession, right? It's a different kind of profession. But you know, with that, and I would say this is absolutely true in several European countries from working there, but but definitely in the US, law enforcement skills are also shifting as well. And we're seeing that play a big impact in the professionals that come over into 
loss prevention or asset protection or security, right? They're thinking about problems differently. They're looking at things differently. Obviously, the way that they interact with officials and senior leaders and community and consumers, right? So all of that is kind of having this shift at the same time where business leaders are expecting something different from loss prevention at the same time that law enforcement's also making this shift. And so we're getting all of that product, that that benefit and byproduct as well. That's a really good point, actually. You're quite right. The, the requirements of law enforcement have shifted greatly. So uh, I guess it's only natural that will cascade into the business world when they land yep. at a certain point. So look, a question for you, and there might not be an answer to this, but often, you know, you arrive, uh, you know, particularly at CVS from after your time at Nike, you're trying to understand what's going on. Is there a, what's your go-to magic? Is there a piece of technology or, you know, maybe a person you brought with you instantly that makes you look brilliant? What's the one thing you look for that says, okay, this will give me an insight into this yeah. business? Funny enough, it's it's vendors, partners, solution providers that I know are on the forefront of things, that they're looking at the right things, that they have scaled to different types of organizations, right? Like, you know, we you always joke about, you know, it's different, different um, organizations will put on expos or you'll go to different trade shows or whatever it is. And Sometimes it can feel salesy and sometimes it can feel like it's not providing a lot of benefit. But if you kind of flip that on its head and think about building relationships and building partnerships and just learning from those solution providers, because they see it from all these different businesses and functions and retailers, you really begin to kind of build this really great Rolodex of of people that can help you wherever you're at in your journey, right? Whether it be in your current company and your you're switching jobs into a different mindset or different role, or you're switching companies completely, you bring those people along with you and they can scale really quickly and they can help bring those things over the line. And also, you know, that makes a big difference with senior leaders too. When you're saying, Hey, we're going to try this new thing and we're going to bring this consultant and here's all the experience that they've had and they've gotten it to work over on this side, or we're going to use this organization because they're tied in with 15 other retailers or whoever else it might be. And they know it works that brings a lot of credibility when you're trying to talk to senior leadership about making an investment of like, Hey, this is proven and here's why, and here are the people that are going to help us do that. And so, you know, you could say it's, it's AI or it's, or it's com fraud platforms or it's physical security aspects, but it, it always comes back down to people and always comes back down to solution providers, consultants, vendors that do it really well that you can trust and rely on. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, and so I guess my final question for you is, yeah, how do you see the the future of CVS? I mean, as a business, it's very, very committed to physical stores. You know, is there new channels coming to market that are going to be taking up your time? Is there more stores opening? You know, what what's what's that business look like? And, you know, how does that fit within the retail landscape at the moment? Yeah, I think it's, it's like a lot of US retail as an industry right now where physical shopping is is continuing to grow but it's changing i think you're starting to to see different types of consumer experiences pop up the consumer wants a different experience right i hate to use the word frictionless because i i actually don't think consumers want totally frictionless right like they want to have some peace of mind that that what they're doing and what they're spending and the product that they're spending it on is 
is secure. It's the right thing. It's, it's going to make them happy, right? And so I think that there's always going to be some element of protecting the consumer to add in some friction. Um, but I think you're going to see different consumer experiences, right? We're seeing already, um, you know, it's the contactless shopping. We've got, um, you know, self-checkouts that are popping up everywhere and how consumers interact with them. They've been around for a long time, but how consumers want to interact with them is changing. I think that you're looking, you know, sort of this move away from outlets because consumers are much more purposeful with the way that they spend money. They're doing a lot more research in the things that they do spend money on and they want it to be really great product and something that that's going to make a big difference. And so I think that you're starting to see that shift as well. And so again, it's this blurring of technology and consumer service and consumer journey and employee journey as well that kind of brings all that to light. And so I think it's a really great time. I think physical shopping, like I said, is going to continue to grow and expand. It's just, it's going to feel different. It's going to look different. And I think it's a huge opportunity for loss prevention and asset protection across the industry. Yeah, it's um, fascinating to hear you say that. You know, I think for a long time, online was, in the simplest of terms, better than stores. And so we saw this big growth, but it feels like the physical retail world is fighting back, if you like. Uh, and it's long overdue, isn't it? It's becoming yeah. Yeah, a destination. It's becoming exciting. And it's, you know, if people are going for a specific purpose, then it's a case of, you know, what can we do to enhance that visit? So, yeah, it must be amazing to be in a retailer that's that's kind of on that path as well and, and gets that at, at the minute. So, yeah, exciting. Good. We shall watch your, uh, uh, your, your journey at CVS with interest. Um, thank you so much indeed for... Yeah. All of that uh, yeah, insightful and that sharing has been absolutely brilliant. Um, Adam, I know we spoke just before we came on air today about uh, trying to get you on an aeroplane and over to Europe or, uh, or something sometime soon and on a stay. So I certainly hope we can make that happen. But for now, Adam, thank you very much indeed. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thank you for having me, Paul. I really appreciate it. And thanks for everything that you've been doing and for me personally as well. Thanks, Adam.